Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today we return to the listener library for a suggestion from not one, but two mysterious listeners, Jeffrey and Paul. Both of these fine gentlemen recommended an episode of The Mysterious Traveler entitled S.O.S. The Mysterious Traveler ran for nine years on the Mutual Broadcasting Network from December of 1943 to September of 1952. The show is created, written, and directed by Robert Arthur and David Kogan. The duo utilized a variety of genres from episode to episode, including horror, crime, and science fiction. Listeners tuned in each week, never sure what kind of story the mysterious traveler would tell. The program opened with the mournful wail of a distant train whistle, followed by the sardonic voice of the mysterious traveler, who narrated each story as if he were telling it to a fellow passenger on the train. The Mysterious Traveler was played by radio veteran Maurice Tarplin, who also played Winston Churchill on The March of Time, Hercule Poirot on Murder Clinic, Inspector Faraday on Boston Blackie, and the titular host on Arthur and Cogan's other anthology series, The Strange Doctor Weird. And now let's listen to S.O.S. from The Mysterious Traveler. First broadcast, May 2nd, 1950. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Mysterious Traveler. Written, produced, and directed by Robert A. Arthur and David Cogan. And starring tonight, three of radio's foremost personalities, Ralph Bell, Louis Van Roten, and Roger DeCoven in S.O.S. This is a mysterious traveler inviting you to join me on another journey into the realm of the strange and the terrifying. I hope you will enjoy the trip, that it will thrill you a little and chill you a little. So settle back, get a good grip on your nerves, and be comfortable, if you can, as we join three enterprising men who are in a very dire predicament. It's a story I call S.O.S. My story tonight is about a group of unsavory individuals at the moment discussing a little unhappily their recent past. <laughs> yes, sir. Here we are, the three of us, adrift out here. How long is it now? How long, Mike? 
Let me alone. Ask Steve. He knows everything. Yeah, he sure does. Couldn't miss, he said. Couldn't miss. Still opportunities. You just have to recognize them. Isn't that what you said, Steve? Eh? Isn't that what you say? Shut up, Zach. Shut up. I've had enough of you. <laughs> Look at him. Now he's going to turn on that automatic radio sender. Isn't that right, Shut Steve? up. Shut up. <laughs> Do you really think someone's going to hear those signals? No, sir. We're adrift out here, but for good. You're wasting your time with that radio sender. No one's going to pick us up. <laughs> right, Mike? Stop bothering me. Let me alone. <laughs> yes. I can remember that day, Steve, when you first spilled the plan to us. Oh, you were the mastermind, all right. Remember, Steve, eh? <laughs> yeah. I remember all right. I wish I could forget that day. Forget everything that happened. But there's no escaping it. I can see everything that happened as clear as if it were only yesterday. Yeah. I remember the way I walked into the office. Mike and Doc were sitting there. Waiting. Waiting for the bad news. Well, Farson got a life sentence. The rest got 10 to 20 years. Great. Just great. I just can't get over it. Just can't. Things were running so smoothly. The syndicate was cleaning up, and then this happens. The three of us were pretty lucky. Not being indicted with the others. Yeah, we hadn't been in South America. And on that end... We'd have gotten it in the neck, too. I still do not understand. How could they smash the syndicate overnight? There were no records. Farson took every precaution. Let's face it. The day for guys like us is over. The cops have science on their side. They're using every trick in a book. Yeah, you're right. Television, radar, infrared cameras, electro detectors, light beam alarms, and 101 other scientific gimmicks. Yes, you are right. They have learned to move so fast that they have taken all the profit out of the rackets. They sure have. I just wish I had a small part of all that dough I once made. Where did it go? Lawyers, bail, protection. They haven't got a cent left. Neither have I. What about you, Steve? I've still got a few grand left. Well, the way science is turning the heat on, it looks like we'll have to turn on us. Whether we want to or not. Look... I've been working on an angle. What about sticking around for a couple of more days? Get wise, Steve. The cops are ready for everything these days. There aren't any more angles. I tell you, I've got one. I just need a little more time to work it out. What do you say? Well, it cannot do any harm to listen. How much time do you need? Two days. Meet me here the day after tomorrow. I'll lay out the whole plan for you. Well, Steve, you still got an angle? Or did it blow up in your face? For the past 48 hours, I've been going over it. Detail by detail. And it still looks good. Well, what is the job? Let's have it. 
The lifting of five million dollars worth of uncut Martino diamonds from the SS Europe. What? <laughs> it must be out of your head. Would require an army to take over that boat. It has a crew of over 300. <laughs> this plan of mine can be worked with three men. Us. This I've got to hear. Just how would you go about it, mastermind? All right. Two weeks from tonight, the SS Europe will be docking in London with five million in uncut diamonds and a shipment of 3,000 pounds of uranium under pressure. 3,000 pounds of uranium under pressure? What are you getting at? A half hour before the Europe lands, I go to the captain's quarters. You, Mike, you go to the radio communication office. And you, Doc, you go to the special room where the uranium is stored under pressure. Then what? I tell the captain that I have one man in control of radio communication and another in the uranium storage room. And unless he turns over the diamond shipment to me, a bullet will be fired into the uranium compressor, blowing up the ship. You really expect the captain to fall for that? Why, he'll call your bluff. Dare you to blow up the ship with us on it. Of course he will. A threat like that would never work. You're wrong. You're wrong there. Psychologically, we've got the edge of the captain. Maybe we're willing to die, too. With a crew of 300 and twice as many passengers, he just wouldn't risk it. Perhaps you're right. After all, his first duty is to his passengers and ship. He would probably figure that we wouldn't get far with those diamonds. That the police would get us in no time at all. Of course. That's exactly the way he'd see it. Um, suppose you do force him to turn over the diamonds. How would we make our getaway? We'd use one of the ship's emergency launchers. Sure. Meanwhile, the captain of the SS Europe has radioed the police. And we walk right into their arms. The captain won't radio the police. No, and why won't he? For two reasons. First, this radio room will be put out of commission. And second, ten minutes after we leave the Europe, it's going to blow up. Blow up? The uranium? That's right. There won't be a piece of the ship left or anyone to identify us. Uh-huh. Five million in uncut diamonds, you say, huh? At least five million. <laughs> this plan of yours, Steve, is just wild enough to succeed. Yes, through sheer audacity, it might be carried off. Job like that. It's all or nothing. That's right. Well, what do you say, Doc? Finding the thought of honest labor abhorrent, I'm inclined to go along with you, Steve. What about you, Mike? The odds are against us. But for that kind of dough, I'll risk it. You won't regret it, Mike. All right, now here's the setup. The day after tomorrow, the SS America is outward bound. We'll be on her when it leaves. You mean so that we can study the same layout that we'll find on the yacht? Yes, that's right. By the time we board the Europe for the return trip, we'll know every inch of the ship. Now, we'll have to work fast. I'll take care of getting us passports under assumed names. Doc, I want you to book passage for the three of us on the American. Mike, you take... Two days later, Doc, Mike, and myself boarded the SS America using false passports. We pushed our way through the other passengers, mostly vacationists, to our cabin on V-deck. 
While we were unpacking, the ship's whistle blew for all visitors to leave. A few minutes later, we were on our way. During the next three days, we covered the ship from one end to the other, taking pictures of the layout, learning the schedules of the crew. When we walked off after the ten-day trip, we knew everything there was to know about both liners. Passengers will kindly step this way and show their passports. Come on, let's ask. Hope we don't have any trouble with these passports. Stop worrying, will you? May I see your passport, please? Here you are. Thank you. Richard Werby, born in Boston, United States. How long do you intend to stay here, Mr. Werby? Uh, about a week. Have you ever been here before? Uh, no, this is my first visit. Our laws are quite different than those of your country. You will do well to study this booklet, which is issued by my government. Thank you, I will. Your passport is stamped. You may pass. Thank you. I trust you enjoy your stay with us. Next passenger. My feet hurt. Why don't we go back to the hotel? We might as well see the local sights while we're here. So this is what all our fellow passengers came all this way to see. This place gives me the creeps. The natives, too. Everything looks so different. Oh, come on now. Mike, that's no way for a traveler to speak. Sure, this place is different from what you've known. But you find plenty to interest you here. Yeah. Just as we'll be back in New York, it's all the same to you. Relax, Mike. Another week and you'll be back in New York. Relax, he says. I don't like places that are different. I like what I'm used to. These crazy birds. What do they call them, anyway? I don't know. Do you, Steve? Oh, they're the uh, national bird. Called Martinos. Martinos. Yeah, look at them. Like vultures. Thousands of them. Oh, you'll get used to them. And all these canals. Never seen nothing like it. That's one of the great attractions here. People come from all over the earth to see these canals. Yeah, well, they can have them. Look at those ruins over there. The war's been over all these years, and yet they've never cleaned them up, rebuilt. Yeah, our rocket fighters sure leveled the countryside. No wonder the natives aren't any too friendly, huh? Can you say that again? I'll be glad when we board to Europe leave this place forever. Mark, check all our luggage? Yes, I went through the motions of looking like an anxious tourist. It'll be in our cabin when we go aboard. What cabin did we get, Steve? Cabin 32B. 32B? That's just a few feet away from the radio communications office. That's right. Attention, please. Attention, please. All passengers bound for London will now board the SS Europe. Departure time is 0900. All passengers for London will please board the SS Europe. Come on. That's us. 
We followed the returning vacationists aboard, had our passports checked, and were shown to our cabin. It would be ten days before we'd go into action, but already the three of us felt that sense of excitement that comes before a big job. And this would be a big job. The biggest ever. The minutes and the hours seemed to drag on that homeward trip. We checked the craft from stem to stern. And the layout was exactly like that of the SS America. On the final night out, all the passengers were celebrating. None of them suspecting that they'd never see London. At 4 a.m., with the liner just one hour from London, three of us went over our plans for the last time. The interminable roar of the motors in our ears. Okay, this is it. You both have your guns. Yes, of course. A mic. You'll take over radio communications. There'll be just one radio operator on duty. Remember now, take them quietly. He won't let out a peek. Good. It shouldn't take you more than a few minutes to put the radio and radar equipment out of commission. Now, make sure you don't damage the ship's intercommunication system. Just leave it to me. And Doc, there's one crew member guarding the storage room where the uranium ship is being kept. Once you've taken care of him, lock yourself in the storage room. Now, you don't come out until I give the signal. I understand. Now, uh... Have you got the demolition stick? It's right here. Good, good. I've explained how it works. When I rap on the storage room door, you plant the demolition stick under the uranium compressor where they won't be able to see it. Right. We'll have to move fast now. That explosive will go off ten minutes after it's set. Will we be able to get far enough away before the explosion? Oh, yes. The launch is on B deck, right outside the storage room. We'll be in the launch in a way in a matter of seconds. Doc, you've already checked the launch, haven't you? Yes, I just came from it. It's all set to go. All right. That takes care of everything. Now, let's set our watches. I've got uh, 426, 45 seconds. Mm -hmm. 50 seconds. 55 seconds. 427. Right, check. Okay. Let's go. The three of us left the cabin and separated on the deserted and dimly lit deck. I walked to the nearest staircase and went up to A deck. There wasn't a soul in sight as I walked to the captain's quarters. It was exactly 4.29 a.m. I lit a cigarette, waiting. On the horizon, far ahead, I could see the lights of London. I could feel the liner losing speed. At exactly 4.30, I knocked on the captain's door. Come in, come in. Oh, come in, Phillips. Are you ready? Oh. I thought it was Phillips, my first officer. Uh, no, Captain. I'm uh, merely one of your passengers. Uh, I'm afraid you'll have to excuse me. I'm doing the control room. Uh, we'll, we'll be landing You'll shortly. Uh, have to hear me out Yes, first, but I've Captain. just told you. God! What's the meaning of this? Sit down, Captain. Now, see here. Sit down. 
That's better. Then what is it? You're carrying five million dollars in uncut Martino diamonds. I want them. You must be out of your mind. I'm not alone in this, Captain. At the moment, this ship is at my mercy. It's your mercy? Yes. My men have taken over key positions on this ship. Right. I don't believe you. That isn't possible. No? Well, just as a test, pick up the phone and dial the radio communications office. Go ahead. Radio communications office. Who, who is this? It ain't one of your crew members, Captain. Let me have the phone. Hello, Mike. Yeah? Everything under control? Couldn't be better. Good. I'll be talking to you. Maybe now you're beginning to realize that I'm not out of my head, Captain. You must be. Do you believe you can commit piracy and get away with it? I'll get away with it, Captain, because you see you're going to help me. I help you? Yes, that's right. One of my men has taken over the storage room where the uranium is stored under pressure. You can't do that. Why, that pressure machine calls for constant care of an engineer. If, if the pressure falls below a certain point, the uranium will explode. Oh, take it easy. Take it easy. That pressure machine is being looked after by one of my men. Nothing will happen to it. That is, if you do exactly as I say. You think I'm bluffing? <laughs> you think I'm bluffing about the storage room? Room. Everything under control, Doc? Yes. The captain's here by the phone. Tell him what your orders are. I am to put a bullet in the pressure machine if I don't hear from you in 15 minutes. You heard what he said. Well? He's bluffing. If he put a bullet in the pressure machine, uranium would blow us all up. You and your men included. That's right. But you see, Captain, my men and I have nothing to lose. And you and the rest don't. What do you mean? The authorities in London are waiting to arrest us. Murder. So, as I said, we have nothing to lose if we're forced to blow up the ship. Even if I turned the diamonds over to you, how would you get away? We'd take the launch on B-Dag. I see. You've got 13 minutes left, Captain, before my man fires that bullet. And believe me, he will. Seems I haven't any choice. None. The authorities will get you for this. Let me worry about that. You've got 12 minutes left. Now you're being sensible. First officer, Phillips speaking. Phillips, this is Captain Andrews. Yes, sir. I want you to go to the purser, have him turn over to you the consignment of uncut diamonds we're carrying. Bring them to my cabin. Sir, we'll be landing in less than... That's an order, Phillips. Yes, sir. We should be here with the diamonds in a matter of minutes. For your sake, I hope so, Captain. I hope so. That must be Phillips now. Have him come in. Come in. I have the diamonds here, sir. Turn them over to this man. But, sir... Do as I say, the safety of the ship and our passengers are at stake. Yes, sir. Thank you. You don't mind if I look them over? What's this all about, sir? Seems that after many centuries, piracy has returned. Piracy, sir? Yes. All right, I've checked them. 
Now, Captain, if you and your first officer will escort me to B-deck. Very well. Come along, Phillips. Yes, sir. After you, gentlemen, our first stop will be the radio communications office. Here we are. Come on out on deck, Mike. Everything all right? Yes, stuff's in the sparks. All right, Captain. The next stop is the special storage room. Very well. Did you take care of the communications office, Mike? Yeah, they won't be sending out any messages. Good. Ah, here we are, Captain. Doc? Doc? Why don't he answer? Now the door's locked. Open up, Doc. It's us. Steve, something's wrong. Yeah. Look, let's take the launch and blow out of here. It isn't our fault something happened to Doc. You're forgetting one thing. We need Doc. He's the only one of us who knows how to navigate that launch. Yeah. Come on, let's break down the door. Together now. Scum it. What's more? That does it. Sir, shall I try to slip away and sound the alarm? It won't be necessary, Phipps. There's Doc. Lying on the floor in there. He's out cold. Let's get him out. <laughs> oh, the air in here. I can't breathe. This place is full of gas. We better get out of here before we pass out. That gas. That gas must have gotten dark. Phillips. Yes, sir. Disarm these two men. Have the third one on our guard taken out of the storage room when the gas disperses. Very good, sir. I see, Phillips, you've revived the third man, eh? Yes, sir. The three of them are all conscious again. And the guard? He's all right, too, sir. Oh, uh, we found this, sir, in the third man's pocket. Demolition stick. Uh, as I see it, they were going to set it before they left the ship, sir. Blow up my ships and passengers, would they? Shall I put them in the brig, sir? Brig? No, Phillips. I'm not taking them into London. I'm dealing with them here. Now. Well, I... I don't understand, sir. This launch they were going to take... Have it filled with concentrated food and water. Enough to last them for years. Very good, sir. Then I want the launch's motor completely demolished. Is that clear? Uh, yes, sir. What? What are you going to do with us? You've attempted a crime unheard of for centuries. Piracy. I'm going to mete out the old punishment for it. I'm setting the three of you adrift. Adrift out here? No. No, you can't. Gotta take us into London. You got it. They're right, sir. Your duty to turn them over to the police. You haven't the authority to. Mr. Phillips, pass, Judge. Out here, I'm the law. You carry out my orders to the letter. Yes, sir. Captain, give us a break, will you? Don't set us adrift. It will be murder. That's what it will be. Murder. You can't set us adrift out there. You can't. I can and I will. You earned it. <laughs> How long have we been adrift out here? Two months? Three? I guess I lost track. A long way back. Out here, with nothing but the sky to look at. Black, empty sky, blazing with stars. Time loses all meaning. 
The automatic radio senders keep transmitting signals. But no one listens. No one listens. <laughs> yes, sir, Steve. Couldn't miss, could it? It couldn't miss, huh? <laughs> you had everything covered, all right. All you missed was that automatic gas alarm they had in the storage shut room. Shut up, Doc, shut up. <laughs> yes, sir. When that guard failed to check in, I got a good dose of that gas. Just a small detail you overlooked. I said shut up. <laughs> you think because you're sending out those signals, someone is going to pick us up, huh? They've got to pick us up. They've got to. You fool. We are drifting further from the Earth all the time. But they can't leave us drifting in space in this rocket launch. They can't. No? Why not? We are a hundred million miles out and going further. And has anyone come after us yet? The space patrol. They'll rescue us. I tell you, they will. Ah, <laughs> Never. They're letting us be examples to anyone else who tries to hijack a space liner. <laughs> We're drifting out here in empty space for months. We'll drift onward till the day we die. <laughs> no, 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 we won't. We'll be picked up, I tell you. <laughs> yes. Why don't you get wise to yourself? This is the year 2185. Miracles don't happen anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Mysterious traveler again. Did you enjoy our trip into the year 2185? It seems that criminals of the future aren't going to have any future. Not with science pitted against them. Poor Steve, Mike, and Doc. Imagine being adrift in space in a disabled rocket launch and being completely ignored. Yes, it seems that not only doesn't crime pay today, but it's going to pay even less in the year 2185. Oh, but that reminds me of my story for next week, The Big Dive. It's about a young man who figured out a perfect alibi for murder, and he forgot to take into account that if... Oh, you have to get off here. I'm sorry. But I'm sure we'll meet again. I take this same train every week at this same time. You have just heard The Mysterious Traveler, which is played by Maurice Tartlin. In the cast were Ralph Bell, Louis Van Ruten, and Roger DeCoven. Original music is composed and played by Al Finelli. All characters in tonight's story were fictitious, and any resemblance to the names of actual persons was purely coincidental. Frank Waldecker speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. That was The Mysterious Traveler and the episode SOS here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And that, as we said in the opening, was a suggestion by two great fans. Fans? No, uh, supporters. That's what we should say. Jeffrey and Paul, who both recommended that Mysterious Traveler episode, SOS. And then just... To be clear, when we get these uh, requests in, Joshua 
basically says, here's the request that we're doing and tries to keep them in order and all that. So he's also somewhat responsible for that being on right now. And the reason I'm saying that is I would love to be able to hug each and every one of you for recommending that show (laughs) and for Joshua picking it off the pile because it's been a long time since I've enjoyed something that much. Is that why you're about to cry? Oh my God, it was. Anyway, we'll get into it. Before we move on, I just wanted to get that out of the way. Thank you so much. That was absolutely joyfully wonderful for me. But we should let our audience know. Joshua is being a trooper because as we record this, his family got ravaged by the COVID and is ripped through his house. And he was the last man standing and now it finally (laughs) took him out. Everyone is fine. Yes. (laughs) Relatively. I feel pretty terrible, but... uh... (laughs) You're fine. St- Walk it off. <laughs> I still think it is a mild case. I feel like I somehow contracted the flu and strep throat while falling down a flight of stairs. Uh, but <laughs> other than that. So um, thank you for making this happen for us, Joshua, and being here. Um, we'll make this as quick and painless on you as possible. <laughs> Tim and I will do all the talking. Um, as I stated, I really loved it. Thank you. Tim, yes or no? Just really quick. Did you like it or not? I'm going to be the guy this time. I was loving it. I was loving it. And then there was the twist, and I was so mad. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us. Josh was super sick. (laughs) Oh, well, this is going to be an interesting discussion. Okay. So I'm going to step back, and let's throw it at Tim right now, because you've opened the door to something uh, I can't wait to hear. Uh, They pulled the trick, and this, this is specifically it, of... Everything you've imagined up to this point, all the details you filled in, you were wrong. Joke's on you. Ha ha. Uh, That's exactly what I have in my notes. This isn't a twist. It's a prank. I liked it because of that. I admired uh, (laughs) the expert manipulation, but it doesn't change anything about the story. All the results for all the characters are exactly the same. It's just that instead of being in a contemporary heist, they are in a science fiction scenario. So it really is exactly what Tim said. Ha ha. <laughs> you have to go back and do all the reimagining. And there's not going to be any reward either. There will be no deeper meaning to this reimagining. It will just be that um, we trick you. And I think I admired that. Okay. And that being said, like the, the characters and the plot and the pacing, I was so into it. And I loved how patient they were with the whole heist structure. Yeah. And, twist that it goes wrong like yes that's exactly how high stories go and i love them for it and it was just that one last twist that like that was unnecessary and i'm mad about it okay so this might have to be an edit but what are we talking about they they were put on a boat (laughs) they were set afloat (laughs) (laughs) there's no way we're gonna edit this and 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 no and that's that was the end, right? And they were out did, there forever. Did you turn it off early? No. What happened? What did I miss? There is I a thought the huge twist. I thought, twist. I thought the twist you were talking about is that the gas was released in the room, and that's how they bog, boggled their own heist. 
What twist happened? What did I miss? Did I just check out early? Because I was they were on a boat sending out mm-hmm. the SOS. They had provisions for years. And- yep, and they say we are moving further and further from the Earth all the time. But they can't leave us drifting in space in this rocket launch. The space patrol will come pick us up. They weren't on a boat. They were on a space boat. Oh, listeners, if you could see Eric right now. It's beautiful. It's See, so beautiful. I was really concerned that I would be too foggy from COVID to function here. <laughs> and I think Eric's just trying to make me feel better. <laughs> when it got to that point, here's what I heard. Well, we're adrift, and we've been adrift a long time, and they can't leave us adrift forever. This is really mean. This sucks. This went wrong. I never heard the word space. Well, they actually say this is the year... 2,185. Yeah. I I think I know why. Because I went in the last whatever minute that was, oh, that's how that ends. And so I think I jumped ahead to, oh, they're just filling. They're filling the end of this thing. Like, oh, yeah, so we're adrift, and that's where we started the story, and it really sucked. Drama, 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 yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. I feel so bad. Dumb again. No, in all fairness, th- this is really tacked on. It is the last second, which I think is why Tim responds that way, is that it's really like, no, the show's not over. Gotcha. Well, now we're but, the ones who have ruined it for you, Eric. Now I feel bad. <laughs> no, no, because now knowing that, you're absolutely right, because let's look at the logic of what just happened to me. What just happened to me was that's a nice, compact, simple story. They got what they deserve, and they're floating out forever, okay? So I jumped to the conclusion that that's what they're doing. So the idea that they tacked that on, I am proof of how unnecessary that was because I didn't even bother to listen that closely to the end because why the hell would I expect anything more to happen? You just wrote a nice story. So I'm actually proof of what you're saying. So convincing and such a uh, vivid story. You don't want to break from it. You, it's, but there's some seriously enough- weird stuff going on in this story that I, I think raises some eyebrows during it that something weird is going on. When they visit what turns out clearly to be the planet Martino, where uh, their rocket planes have done damage to their civilization. I think I read in retrospect, it as... I thought that was Mars because of the canals they mentioned. That makes sense. But it's odd. At the time, I glossed over it because I thought, oh, this is just like some generic foreign land of OTR, and they sided with the Axis powers in the war. Yeah, I never questioned, like, sure, a boat with uh, uranium under pressure. I I don't Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's the deal. This is on Zoom, so you might want to pull the footage of my face and uh, (laughs) uh, and post it. Oh, my God. Let's, here we go. Welcome to the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. You know what I hated about this, everybody? That twist of them being in space at the end. Well, guys, I have to say this. I was not as uh, in love with this episode, and the twist redeemed it as a piece of fascinating audio medium for me that like you could only do this in this medium. And again, the manipulation of it retroactively smoothed over to me what was mostly kind of two-dimensional characters and uh, a clunky pace. 
and weird red herrings uh, that obviously by the twist made a little sense. Uh, and mainly when they were uh, visiting the locals and they said, oh, we have some strange customs you should be aware of. Yeah. So I thought maybe that would come out as it, that was how their plan would fall apart, is some ignorance of the local customs. Yeah. I thought that was a, a foreshadow to this is how they meet their demise so I will say that that is clunky. There was no reason for it other than to set us up for, see, we're in outer space, which now I know. I, uh, listening to that, I kept thinking, did I miss where they went? Did they say, like, where this boat took, what I assumed was a boat took them? And would, like, go back a little bit? And, like, no, I didn't miss it. They are just, it's meant to be a little vague, I thought. And it is interesting listening to this a certain distance away in time from it because all the mention of new science and all the stuff that is... A central theme to it seemed to me as a living in the future as a, a fascination of people back then, these primitive uh-huh. radio people and their interest in scientific things, uh, and didn't take it as we're trying to tell you this is a story about science stuff. <laughs> well, and also a lot of these horror and crime shows of this era did a lot of positive talk about, uh, you know, the police are so advanced now and they catch criminals all the time. Um, They would do this very pro-law and order message to sort of justify all the murder and mayhem (laughs) that the story also (laughs) featured. Uh, That's how I interpreted those lines at the top about how criminals can't get anywhere anymore. Well, I suppose last week I uh, made us listen to Philo Vance, assuming that I knew who Philo Vance was when I clearly didn't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this week was Eric's turn. Uh, Josh, if you'd be so kind as to do something kind of dumb next time, that would make us all feel better. Oh, I got COVID. That's pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't get COVID because you went and did something stupid, though. You you weren't like... I had children. Oh, well, there's that. <laughs> had children. I mean, it's not like you entered that, you know, face-licking contest or something. <laughs> I would have won. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the things I liked about the aha moment at the end is that in the future, if space travel were this ubiquitous, no one would call ships spaceships. They would call them ships. So retroactively, all the general dialogue makes sense. And ironically, they have to go into hokey dialogue territory to reveal it at the end. And suddenly they're all talking like Tom Corbett, space cadet, about, you know, right. well, we're gonna, if the space patrol doesn't pick us up from the space launch, we're space screwed. And and so uh, <laughs> I thought it was kind of fun to flip those tropes a little bit. Yeah. I will tell you that if I live long enough, I'm going to call them spaceships and space everything because that's <laughs> the fun of living until the future. <laughs> so I want to address that really quick. Joshua, that I 100% understand exactly what you're saying about the clunky and the plot and the two-dimensional and the simplicity of it. That, yeah, I totally understand it. And that is exactly why I'm attracted to the this story, is this is an incredibly simple story until now I find out that they're, <laughs> you know, Uktak and Chuna from Venus or whatever, but... Um, <laughs> You know, it became a dark fantasy, and I missed it. But the point being is that... We forgot to mess it up in the middle. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. The point is that 
I really appreciate just a straightforward story, and I thought it was really fun. You know, just like, we're going to get some diamonds, and here's how, and oh, that went wrong. Uh, oh, yeah, I still enjoyed myself listening to it. It just, the genre switch at the end uh, just yeah. elevated it for me. And I think it's interesting that the simplicity of the story, which you admired, is also what hid some of the details yeah. is because the Mysterious Traveler scripts are generally rather utilitarian. They aren't mm -hmm. big on details and they'll cut corners. And so if I became momentarily confused by a reference, like when they're visiting the other planet, I just sort of glossed over it and assumed this is just Arthur and Kogan on a hard deadline. <laughs> uh, but yeah. they got me. Again, I'm reiterating. I think that I kind of put together what this is instead of actually listening harder. I just went, oh, that's what this is. Great, thank you. A nice, simple heist story, and they're going to get this money off the ship. And, I am 100% uh, with you. I, I love the heist structure of they start out, yep. something went terribly wrong, then you get to see the plan of what it's going to do, and this is what it would be like if it went perfectly, and then it's the fun of, all right, what's going to go wrong, and how are they going to deal with it? And, and I enjoyed all that. Yeah. And the heist is really perfect as a piece of sleight of hand because it is such a genre we associate with a contemporary setting. You know, it just made you focus on other things instead of uh, the clues hidden throughout it. Uh, because on a second listen, they're all over the place. Some are more subtle, and then some are really uh, hit you over the head. And now I wonder if one of the clues was meant to be how long it's been since we uh, set people adrift for piracy. If, when the captain and his crew were discussing that, I thought, well, certainly that's an old barbaric practice, but... Is that something we still do recently, and it's only in the far future we've stopped doing that? I would have no idea, but I would imagine that no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's been done recently, like, but not like a. Yeah, I'm not morally. sure that that's a clue so much as a great bit of storytelling that works in both genres. If this is a contemporary yeah. piece, it works, but it also works uh, once you reconfigure it to be set in the far-flung future. I'm still stuck on whether it needed to be in space or not. I've heard what you said, Joshua, that it elevates it for you, but I'm still kind of stuck with Tim on, don't know if needed it. Oh, it absolutely was not needed. That's that's why I admire it. So I agree with you 100%. It's, it's a totally self-contained story. Changing it changes nothing meaningful about the story. Right. I mean, I, I love twists, but I, I feel like it betrays the contract between listener and storyteller Right. I'll do half and you do half and we'll mix them together and it'll be great. Which is, again, why I like it. I mean, people <laughs> did that all the time, but I, I think it was an intentional exercise. And maybe uh, they realized, well, that's mean. <laughs> we can't do that anymore. <laughs> I mean, do they think I wasn't good enough as a listener? They were totally gaslighting Tim. <laughs> what do you mean it's a contemporary heist? It's totally science fiction. It was clear from <laughs> the very beginning. Getting some feedback of... Guys, people have been turning off the radio two minutes before the ending. we got to do something to get them to <laughs> stick with us to the end. I actually believe that. <laughs> that is actually, Tim, you, you're saying that I didn't laugh, and I went, I wonder if they're like, we got to keep them till the end so that we can hit them with that, you know, auto life spark plug ad. Curious brand traveler cereal. <laughs> oh, God, I would eat mysterious traveler cereal. <laughs> <laughs> What's in this? Mysterious. <laughs> What if it was like every box was like a surprise different cereal? I got honeycombs. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh, quisp. I want to take one moment to note the great trio of character actors. 
Yeah, yep. yeah. They mention them at the top, but they're really good. And they're all yeah. people who I hear all the time mentioned in the credits of radio shows, but can never really distinguish them. Ralph Bell, Louis Van Ruten, and Roger DeCoven. And I mean, if you look them up online, they are yep. just in every single old time radio show there's ever been. <laughs> We've heard Louis Van Ruten's name in the 200 some episodes of this oh, podcast. Oh, he was in now, Bury Your Dead, Arizona. Times. He was. What did he play in there again? Was it the Maestro? Maestro, the... yeah. Yeah. Which we got to stay right here, Eric. Don't start talking <laughs> about Bury Your Dead, Arizona. But man, I love that whole thing too. It does take place in space, Arizona. You know that, right? <laughs> I hate you. Right now. <laughs> because. I don't know what to believe anymore. Every truth in my life, I've got to go back and re-examine. Our podcast is a success. <laughs> you know, one thing that did pop into my head, and uh, are you guys Rick and Morty fans? Uh, I'm not all the way through. No. I've watched the first episode and it was, eh. Yeah. All right. So I'm a big fan. There's an episode, it's about heists, and at the end, they talk to the... Um, the two writers, and it's all them talking about how much they hate heist movies and how stupid they are. If this happens and that happens, this happens, and you know, and that's my attraction to them that these this clockwork yeah. plan has to happen. But these two guys, like, so we were discussing how much we hate Ocean's Eleven and every heist movie ever made, and how they make us angry. That's what we base this episode on. So now every time a heist thing comes up, I can't help but think of those two guys and, <laughs> and then go, oh, am I stupid for liking heist stuff? And then halfway through this one, I don't care. It's a heist story and it's awesome. <laughs> I think those guys are rather joyless. Uh, I love like <laughs> hustle and leverage and those yeah. kind of shows that are just all about that. And of course, it's not realistic, but it's just so no. fun to watch it on the plot i mean the Boy. the realistic part i love is like oh this plan it's gonna go off like clockwork and it never does it yeah. always goes wrong and you have to improvise and yep uh, joshua you just reminded me to re-watch hustle that's going on my list so take that rick and morty writers <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> who are obviously you just heard a listening. different opinion from an equally popular media source <laughs> 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 yeah yeah well any other final thoughts on this gentleman no i mean the, the, my anger is proportionate to how much i was loving it before it, it threw me well let's send it to the vote then and tim you can finish that thought first of all for the the listeners who sent this thank you so much this uh, was a fascinating challenging and bizarre episode certainly love listening to it the anger i've been expressing is largely of course facetious uh, I just sort of disagree with the step. I wouldn't call it a classic, but it uh, it's play with the media itself makes it stand the test of time, I think. I mean, with the, the format, that it does break that contract. Joshua? Yeah, I'm going to call it a classic for the reasons that angered Tim. Uh, lightly angered, I should say. Uh, but no, I can't think of another piece of uh, audio drama that does something like this. It's a one-trick pony, and I think trick's probably better than prank, because it is. I, I, I got expertly manipulated, and I do appreciate that. Would I want all of old-time radio to be like this? Absolutely not. But hats off to them, and it is technically flawless in that way. I, of course, am not allowed to vote, because I'm a complete <laughs> idiot. <laughs> I enjoyed well, I think of the first much. like five sixths of the show. 
classic. It was right <laughs> up my alley. Hey, a very simple story with a very simple storyline about a heist that went wrong. <laughs> really, truly up my alley. Uh, great character work. It's like a good piece of film noir, really simple story, you know, of things going wrong. I love those old movies. I love serials. I can't name any of them right now, but those old uh, 1940s serials at the theater, and um, there's nothing complicated about them uh, other than I hope you like fist fight scenes because there's three every <laughs> serial with a whole really lot of... distinctive pop sound. <laughs> oh, that foley of what a punch... Just if you've never been in a fist fight, just so you know, it does not make that sound. <laughs> the sound uh, maybe men's hear... faces were different in the 19th. <laughs> right. <laughs> the sound you hear is you going, "Ow! I think I broke my hand after the first punch." Ah, oh, um, you bit my finger. Um, <laughs> I, I will say I'm going to go back and re-listen. And, and catch that nuance instead of hurriedly going, okay, I know what's happening, I know what's happening. And that's what I did in my head. Okay, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. We're done? Good. Okay, let's move on. And uh, I didn't hear the word space. But I will stick with my guns that I think I enjoyed it well enough to say stands the test of time for sure, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, I don't know if I can throw classic on it. Uh, I have to... I have a minute and a half of work to do. <laughs> now we are going to be listening to future episodes of every radio series we listen to. Like, does this in space? <laughs> <laughs> it's just destroyed that trust. <laughs> what if everyone just ended with, oh, and by the way, we're in outer space. <laughs> Dang it, Shadow. <laughs> the space thing on the space horrible board. It's just it get awful. Turns out I was picking up a hitchhiker in space. I would actually listen to Sorry Wrong Space Number, though. <laughs> <laughs> I might write that. <laughs> All right, Tim, tell him stuff. This podcast is brought to you from space. <laughs> Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com, home of this podcast. <coughs> so it's there. Uh, you can learn about us. You can make comments on episodes. Let us know what you thought. You can vote. You can uh, send us messages if you have episodes you'd like us to listen to and be angered by. Um, we will do that. You can also link to our social media pages and to Threadless and buy some swag or to Patreon and become a supporter. Yeah, speaking of that, you should support us on Patreon. Thank you for the segue. Do it. Come on. <laughs> support us on Space Patreon. Have, did I take it one step too far? Probably. No. Yeah. I got COVID. No. Give me a break. <laughs> I got space COVID. All right, I'm done. <laughs> also, don't forget to join us monthly for our theatrical performances of the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. Where we, the three of us, and the lovely and talented Miss Shannon Custer, perform adaptations of original radio broadcasts and a lot of our own original uh, work. Uh, and we do that online right now. We'll be back on stage soonish here in 2021. ParksquareTheater.org. See the dates every month that we're performing, what shows we're doing. Uh, tickets are cheap. You get a ticket there and you can watch our performances. Once again, you can find out everything about everything we just said by going to MysteriousOldRadioListeningSociety.com or GhoulishDelights.com or ParkSquareTheater.org for tickets to our shows. All right, coming up next, it has been a long time since I've actually picked an episode. 
And it is my turn to pick an episode. We're not doing any specialty stuff. We're not doing a uh, request. I said, Eric, it's been eight years since you've picked an episode. (laughs) What are we going to listen to? I haven't decided yet. (laughs) But I know this. It is uh, narrowed down to about five. uh, And so it's going to be a surprise next week. I'm debating. This is really uh, hard on me. But also... It will be in space. Damn it! <laughs> no. I don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> Just say until then. Until then. Look out! <laughs> that was awesome! Uh.